Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. According to the History Channel, the Frisbee story started in 1871 when William Frisbee opened the Frisbee Pie Company. Students from Connecticut universities were soon throwing the tin pie plate to each other, yelling Frisbee as they did so. Then in 1958, Whammo, the company responsible for the hula hoop, the Super Bowl, and the water wiggle, changed its name to the Frisbee Disc with two E's at the end. By aggressively marketing frisbee playing as a new sport, Whammo sold over 100 million discs by 1977. In 2023, while neither frisbee golf nor ultimate frisbee have yet to become Olympic sports, both games played with frisbee are popular across the world, including in Asia, where our guest today will shed some light on the two sports, the itinerant character of many game players, and how you can make it a part of your trip to the region. I'm Trevor Ranges in Siem Reap, Cambodia, and with me once again is Scott Coates. Where are you at, Scott? I'm in Bangkok as usual, Trevor, but I've been thinking that it's suddenly almost 10 months since I was last in Cambodia, and I can't believe it's that long. And I'm pretty keen to talk about this because I've known of the sport of ultimate forever, it seems, as well as frisbee golf. And somehow I've never played either, but I've known a few people here in Bangkok to play. And I don't know why I haven't gone for it yet. So um, what was your first experience, say, with Ultimate? I think you played it when you were younger, did you not? Uh, Yeah, you know, I played a bit. I was never too serious about it, but I played Ultimate like in gym class in high school. And then I sort of just like playing Frisbee. So I knew how to throw it pretty well. Uh, The Aerobee came out in 1984. I remember when the first Aerobee came out and how far you could throw that, which was really cool. And then uh, after high school, I played some casual disc golf in Hawaii on the UH campus with some friends of mine who, when they were undergrads, they had a course and there was drinking holes and all that, you know. And then when I was in New Zealand, again, we played on, uh, you know, in a park where we sort of made up holes and, and there were, I'd never played with nets before. And, and the ultimate I played in was never real serious. Uh, but I, I really always enjoyed the, the way you could have fun with the Frisbee. Yeah, you know, I always had a Frisbee growing up. It almost is kind of one of the first outdoor toys I can think of. There was seemingly always one around when the weather was nice. We were always throwing them as friends. And until this episode, I was told by someone that the Frisbee was introduced in 1967 at the Montreal Olympics. And we're a Canadian invention, but you've totally blown out of the water. But um, what I do know about Frisbees is that they need to be heavier, properly weighted ones, like the cheap light ones you buy. Don't cut it at all. Also, it's the thing I probably almost always take to a beach or an island because it's it's useful, right? And it's the kind of thing you can almost always, if the tide's out or there's some room on the beach, just huck around a bit with yourselves. And often there's people that want to join in. And the next thing you're sort of tossing a frisbee on the beach. To me, it's one of the, the best things to take to a beach. Yeah, the beach for sure. Uh, you know, a friend of mine uh, who was a big ultimate player, he uh, he married an Australian woman, became an Australian citizen, got his PhD there, and he was on the Australian national ultimate team. 
And I went down to Melbourne with him for a hat tournament. And along the way, we hit like a little beach tournament. And mm -hmm. uh, it's hard running around playing ultimate in the sand, man. That's a serious workout. But yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a fun beach thing. And, and once I started playing in like slightly more serious, again, it's like the Australian national team, but they were still really cool and laid back. And it was meant to be about like having fun and, and being with your friends and stuff. So, you know, when I moved to Bangkok, I, I tried playing there, but they were a little too serious for me maybe, but uh, I, I've always kind of stuck around uh, and, and tried to play whenever I can. You know, another thing about Frisbees is I used to be part of a travel company. We've talked about that. And one year, for whatever reason, I kept taking my Frisbee on the northern trips through Shanghai. And there were a couple times on that trip where you would stay next to a hill tribe village. And I would sometimes just get the disc out and start throwing it with villagers. And most of them had never seen one. And it instantly became a really good social connector. And you'd have people laughing as they tried to throw it. And some people would suck and some people would be good and guests would be throwing them. And so that year, when I went back to Canada, I bought, I think, about 20 proper frisbees and then we started leaving them at villages and that and i always sort of marveled at how simple and inexpensive that was and how many good social moments between people from around the world with with rural thai people happened yeah you know that's really cool i like that story and it's sort of true i definitely have like thrown a frisbee around with random young kids in some mm -hmm. countries here or there just because again i like to to travel with a disc uh when i was like a backpacker and stuff um, but then still to this day, like it's a way to like meet people. Like the guest we have on today, he's a friend of a friend uh, through the ultimate Frisbee community. Um, and it was great for me to to meet him and then be introduced to the people here. Uh, I played ultimate here in Cambodia. I was in the Khmer, Khmer Cup uh, disc golf tournament last year. Uh, there's an awesome course here. It's a really laid back game, but then like there's the travel aspect of it too. Like when we were in Melbourne, we were in a hat tournament, which is one where like they kind of mix and match players from all over. So you get to, to meet new people and uh, okay. you know, it, it's an opportunity to like, when you travel, maybe meet some other locals or travelers and, and kind of, you know, introduce yourself to this network of community of people, like kind of like couch surfing maybe or something like that. Yeah. You know? Right bit more running and sweating involved. Well, look, before we get to Jarrett, let's thank Harry Van Borg, who's one of our most recent patrons. What is a patron you say? They are the kind people that sponsor the show from a few dollars a month upwards. And not only do they feel great about keeping this going, but they get a little bonus something something between each of these regular episodes. Now that can be Trevor and I riffing on something topical, or as in a recent case, Trevor put together a video of Cambodian New Year celebrations. And I put together a video of a visit to Ayutthaya, a UNESCO World Heritage Site just north of Bangkok. So become a patron, click donate on the website or go to patreon.com, search for us and help keep it running. I've had enough talking about it. Let's get Jared in here. Jared Connor's background in anthropology and Southeast Asian studies led to a life in Asia where he is currently working as the city manager of Siem Reap Food Tours. In his free time, he's an avid flying disc enthusiast, which is the topic we'll discuss with Jared today. Welcome to the show, Jared. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Trevor. Thanks a lot, Scott. Yeah. Howdy, Jared. Come, did you just come from Frisbee? I did. I am a sweaty mess right now. <laughs> right on. Well, it's good that this is authentic then. It's real. You got this real is as Frisbee real as it sweat gets. On him. Um, all right, well, Jared, usually we start at the top. So uh, where are you originally from and how long have you lived in Asia? I am originally from Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Go Celtics. Um, I've been in Asia. I've been living here since uh, 2010, so 13 years now. 
Um, but I've been pretty much coming back and forth or living here since uh, 1999. Since 99. It's the same year as me, Jarrett. Good stuff. So what first brought you to Asia and why? So when I talk about 1999, I'm not even talking about the first trip out here. Um, I first came in 1994 as part of a study abroad program. And I decided mm -hmm. I was going to study in this little island in this big country that had a lot of islands in it that I'd never heard of. Realized I'm American okay. and this was 1994. So this country was called Indonesia and the island was called Bali. And right. I decided I was going to study on that little island and uh, had a great time and I got hooked. Wow, that's the first place that I visited in Asia too. I went to Bali first for, for surfing for me. That's cool. So you've been around the region a bit then? Um, I have, yeah. After that first trip, I tried to get back as soon as possible and that was 99. Moved to uh, Beijing to teach English. Then I moved to Hanoi, um, where I was an editor for a travel website for a bit. Then I went to grad school, and I was still coming back and forth. And then I came back in 2010 on a three-year research trip to do research for my dissertation um, for my PhD in anthropology. And I didn't finish the anthropology, but uh, and I also haven't finished with Cambodia. All right. Well, you know, we have you on the show to talk about uh, ultimate and disc golf. Uh, and, and I'd like to know where you first played in Asia or whether it happened first in Asia or happened in, in back home first. Uh, but maybe just for our listeners, you could explain each game a little bit. So sure. We absolutely. That. Ultimate Frisbee is a team sport played with a flying disc where the object is to score touchdowns or tries. So it's on a, like a rugby or an American football looking field. But the catch is, when you catch the dish, you can't run with it. You need to throw it to your teammate. So for you Commonwealth people, think like netball or think basketball without dribbling. And eventually you want to score a touchdown. But the other team is trying to make that very difficult. Hmm. And that is pretty much Ultimate Frisbee in a nutshell. There's a lot of diving, a lot of running, a lot of jumping, a lot of excitement. It's a great, fun, awesome sport. How about disc golf? So disc golf is a lot easier to explain. Um, the two words kind of explain it. It's golf <laughs> with a disc. Um, so it's kind of the rules of golf where you have an object you need to hit. In golf, it would be a, a knocking a ball into a hole. In disc golf, it's throwing the disc, a flying disc, into a basket. So there's a basket off 100 or 200 meters away, and you need to throw it into that basket in the fewest throws possible. And that is pretty much what disc golf is. Got it. It's almost like you've explained those a couple times before. <laughs> yeah, not my first time. You know, it's funny to me is that like disc golf is exactly like ultimate, except without the running and the diving uh, and the sweating. It, it's interesting how different the two actually are, right? It's, yeah, uh, disc golf, you also have a, a free hand for beer. So you don't have to worry about catching the disc. Nice. So, yeah. Perfect. So Jarrett, were you playing these two sports before you kind of settled to live in Asia or was it something you've picked up? Uh, yes and no. Ultimate, I've been playing for about 30 years now. Um, oh, wow. I, I went chasing after a young woman who um, I had played intramural volleyball with and she was going to play this Frisbee thing. And I followed her in the fall of 1993. Yeah, I never got the girl, but I found the uh, sport that's uh, been with me ever since. Well played. <laughs> yeah, so I guess, yeah, I, I think I won that one. Disc golf, I'm very new to. I've only been playing the last few years, and I did pick it up out here. 
but it's, it's been a great time and it's a little easier on the knees as I'm getting older. Okay, so in the introduction, we talked a bit about the history of the Frisbee being a, a, a pie pan that people threw around college campuses in the 19th century, right? Um, obviously, the disc has changed quite a bit since then, um, but do you play with the same kind of disc in Ultimate that kids are used to throwing around? Is it the you know, like standard Frisbee that people know? You know, it's really not all that different. Um, I mean, the, the science is still the same. The science is if you get this disc spinning, it's going to fly, you know? You can maybe, you know, you can explain the science deeper if you so desire. But for me, you make it spin fast and it good and flies nice. Now, that being said, the discs we use are for ultimate significantly heavier than the discs you might be throwing around on the beach with grandma. But there's really not all that difference. Disc golf discs are significantly different. There's different weights, different shapes. Are they drivers? Do you throw them long? Do you throw them short? Do you want them to curve right? Want them to curve left? You know, top disc golfers could be carrying 30 discs at any one time. So no way. a lot of variation. But in Ultimate, the discs are pretty much the same ones you throw with grab on the beach. Gotcha. So, Jarrett, where in Asia are you playing this? Are you playing – I know you live in Cambodia most of the time. Or are, are you only playing there, or can you travel the region and play? Yeah, you know, uh, before we came on, um, I was trying to do some math as to how many countries I've actually played in at this point. And I got to 14. Hmm. So I got to 14 countries, and most of those being in Asia. And I've played tournaments in most of them. So I've played tournaments in South Korea, China, Vietnam, Laos, Thailand, Cambodia, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, Philippines, also India, and also uh, I played in Dubai, a, a tournament in Dubai as well. So all through the region, and that's uh, kind of the point why I guess I'm here today. It's, it's a great traveling sport with really great communities and all these different places. Well, what's interesting is that uh, Jared and I and Scott have a mutual friend, Ruben. And Ruben actually told me when I was moving here to Cambodia that I should look you up because you know each other from, from playing Ultimate. And, uh, and then I played Ultimate in Bangkok years ago. But it does seem like there is like a kind of community. Now, do Ultimate players, do they differ across different cultures? Or is it like Ultimate Frisbee people are a culture of their own? That's a really good question. Because I, I do think um, it's a little column A, a little bit column B on that one. We all, say, we all play the same sport. And there's some ideals to go along with the sport. Spirit of the game. That's one thing in Ultimate Frisbee where at no level... Um, with very small, small exceptions, at no level are the referees. So you're going to be playing the finals of the world championships with no referees. It's all self-officiated. So spirit of the game, fair play. Yeah, so that's one really, really cool cool part of the game, and that we all share that. We also share the fact that uh, Ultimate is mostly played uh, mixed here with men and women on the field. So we, we, sh we share a spirit of, of inclusion and uh, equality. So there's a lot of similarities, but there's also cultural differences. You know, going from, you know, from Indonesia to, Indonesia to Singapore to Malaysia, up through Vietnam, Laos, China, South Korea, you are going to definitely find some cultural differences. And that does get reflected within the ultimate community. But these are still very, very friendly groups who uh, the differences are definitely the strength of this community. So, Jared, you've played in these 14 countries, and I didn't count them, but most of those sounded in Asia. Are most of these players expats or locals or a blend of? These days, it is mostly local. Hmm. And that has been a big change over the last 20 years. I've been playing in the region since 1999. And I played 
in one of the earliest tournaments I played in the Shanghai Open in 1999, which only had five teams, uh, Beijing, Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong. Then I don't remember the other two teams, but, um, you know, and that was mostly expat. That was about 90% white out there. Okay. But over the years, these, these uh, foreigners who came here, a lot of them had the vision that they wanted more locals playing. And so a lot of us have taught the game to local players. And now most of the country's national organizations are in the control of local players. And they make up a, a vast majority of the players playing in Asia. That's great. You know, my two cents on this, though, just from having played a bit at Ultimate, is that, uh, you know, even if it's like expats, there's people from like 10 different countries, you know, like in addition to whatever local people are. And then, you know, we were talking about like different cultures amongst different things. When I was in Bangkok, they were so serious. And Bangkok's a much more serious place, whereas here in Siem Reap, like they don't even keep score when they play. And Jared was just telling me about playing in a tournament, some of the Siem Reap team. And they were worried they were going to get beat badly because they just don't play for keeping score to see who wins because it's more just about having fun and getting some exercise and, you know, the community that, that's created around it. So I think that's pretty cool. But that aside, in your experience, like where have you found like the most vibrant communities, you know, that, that does the most tournaments or is really like the most passionate about it? Uh, really, the country that's come on in the last decade has been the Philippines. And it's funny, uh, you could really... Uh, I was looking at some of the re the uh, the history of the region, history of ultimate in the region. I was talking to uh, to Filipino players about where things started, and they really all point to one person. And I'm not sure if it's a name you're going to recognize, but it's definitely a name I can't. I have just blanked on. Anyway, so there's one very famous actor in, in the Philippines, um, half German, half Filipino, super heartthrobby guy, who at one point announced that ultimate frisbee um, was his favorite sport. Then all of a sudden, people started playing ultimate throughout the whole country on every island because uh, this guy had started playing. So there, I can point to one player. No, but that's cool. Like, it's good that uh, you know someone can create a trend out of it, especially here in Asia where trends are so important. So it's great to get someone like that to, to kick off uh, ultimate. Uh, how about like just shifting gears real quick? How is it like the ultimate community different from the golf community? Are those like two distinct cultures in and of themselves? Or is it always like ultimate people play golf in each of these destinations? You're talking about uh, disc golf? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm actually just beginning to learn about the, uh, the Asian disc golf community. It's uh, definitely behind the ultimate community in terms of local participation. There where we were, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago. So a lot of expats playing, uh, far more men than women playing. But still, it's still a well, well welcoming and uh, warm community. And what's different is it's an individual sport, which uh, makes participation a lot easier. You can just go somewhere and say, hey, I want to play. And if there's zero people who want to play with you, you can still play. Um, but usually on most of these courses, you say, hey, I'm showing up. I'm from out of town. And one of the locals will show up and, and play around with you. So it's it's cool in that way. It, it has it definitely has that in common with ultimate. That's neat. And I, I know you're kind of new to disc golf, but are there some countries in Asia that you know are sort of premier ones for it? They have a number of courses and stuff. At this point, Japan is way beyond us, mm. and that's that's how ultimate has pretty much been for a while. We're catching up. Singapore, Philippines. I did include Japan in ultimate when you brought when you asked about, about vibrant communities because. Mm. We don't think about them that much. They actually kind of play their own tournaments and don't actually mix with the rest of Asia. They're more on the international circuit. 
But disc golf, they're also way ahead of us. We have growing communities in Thailand, Malaysia, and Singapore as well. But I'm definitely looking at Thailand as somewhere where the sport has, has grown a lot. Okay. Koh Samui has two great courses there. And my uh, Aaron up in Chiang Mai is doing some great work expanding the sport to women and to uh, Thai locals. Huh, yeah, cool. I was just going to ask about the different courses. And that's actually an interesting reason why maybe it's not as popular yet or whatnot. Because again, you can play ultimate on any soccer pitch or a half a soccer pitch or some field. Like that up in Kiriram, we played with the, there was like palm trees and, the, you know, like his little defenders. It was fun. But like frisbee golf, you need like a proper nice course, like a, a reasonably set course. Yeah. Um, it's not just like something that's easier to pick up and just, oh, let's play some frisbee golf this weekend unless there's a, a course nearby. Uh, maybe, but actually I, I did say that I only picked up disc golf out here, which mm. is, is not entirely true because I did play disc golf in the States, but they were, it was with my ultimate friends and it was very casual, pick the target sort of course. That statue over there is our next hole. Yeah. And here, you can put trees. You can do, a tree can be a target. Anything can be a target. So really, if you have a couple of discs and a wooded area or a non-wooded area, you can put together a disc golf course on your own. That's pretty neat. So, Jared, you, you've said you've traveled so much. I assume generally when you're traveling to play Ultimate, you're traveling with a team. But is Ultimate or disc golf something that a traveler could just rock up to countries and join a team to play solo? Or, I mean, is this something you could make a part of your trip? Uh, absolutely could. There's always a pickup game around. Most of, the, most of the major cities and a lot of the minor cities in the region do have pickup games mm -hmm. where you can just roam onto the field, go play on your own as an individual, and all of a sudden, you're meeting people who live in that city who might take you out to eat, might take you out for a drink, might give you a couch to crash on, uh, might give you some travel advice. Okay. Um, it, these are great, friendly communities, so you can definitely go as an individual. Of course, golf is disc golf is an individual sport, so you of course can travel as an individual as well. Mm -hmm. What about like I'm thinking like I, I've played in a couple of hat tournaments, and for people who aren't familiar, uh, a hat tournament is where you kind of show up, and it doesn't matter who you're with. Like all the names go into a hat, and you pick names out of a hat, and that's how the teams are formed. So a hat is a great way to get involved in ultimate in a fun kind of way. And you wear a funny hat too. So everybody wears funny hats and you draw names out of a hat. And so it's a hat tournament. So I sort of assume there must be like an annual hat in Bangkok, an annual hat here in Siem Reap. But I don't know, like every place where there's an ultimate community should have an annual hat, right? So if that's true, what are some of the best hats in the region? Yeah, ab uh, absolutely. That's a hat tournament is a way you can go as an individual and participate in the tournament. So as Trevor was describing, you can sign up as an individual and you tell them a little bit about your experience because when they form the teams, they try to balance the talents of all the players. So you can just show up, say, hey, I want to play in this hat. Maybe I have some experience. Maybe I've played for 10 years, five years, two years, one year, one month, never played before. You can get into one of these hat tournaments and you're going to be on a team who knows you're, who have their expectations of you. They expect you to be who you said you were. If you said you've never played before, then yeah, they expect you not to know what you're doing. And that is totally cool. That is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, because you play a lot of one-on-one -on -one in Ultimate. And that was one of the things I wanted to mention earlier, like, because there's a lot of women who play and men who play. But you don't, like, I remember maybe you used to pair up, like, how many women per side or how many, like, local people or how many short people per side. But really, ultimately, now I think it's just by skill level. 
Like you match up with someone who's of equal skill level and, and you try to play fair, like you were saying with good sportsmanship, like everybody tries to, to be honest about it and match up so that uh, you're playing against someone of equal skill most of the time. Yeah, uh, definitely. They still um, gender match. So you'll have four men, four women, or four men and three women, or four women, three men. Um, we're getting all the complications in our sport that everyone else is dealing with right now and all the discussions uh, of, of fairness and inclusion. Um, so we're definitely involved in that. Other than that, yeah, you might be sometimes matched about against someone who's much younger than you or taller than you. If you're playing against me, maybe someone against who's much fatter than you. And that's just how it's going to be. And you do your best and you run hard and sweat a lot. And at a hat tournament, there's a lot of beer to be drank during and after. I've heard about that part of the game, Jarrett. So you did mention so many tournament trips and playing in so many Asian countries. Are there a couple highlights where it wasn't just the tournament that was great, but the actual travel experience and the experience you had in that country or city that really stand out and are memorable to you? Uh, Absolutely. Because when you visit a tournament, um, it's always hosted by local people and local people who are always proud of where they're from and they know you're coming from afar and they want to show you the best of what they have. Okay. I mean, it's like, I, I remember I was flying from uh, Kuala Lumpur to Penang and um, I recognized a guy on a flight. It was a flight that was going to land at about 11 and I, I recognized him as an altar player. He recognized me and he decided it was very important at 11 for him to take me out to dinner because if you know Penang, you know, it's about the food and they have such great food. He's like, we do food here. I'm taking you out to dinner right now. And that was amazing. And I think I got taken out to so many meals when I was in Penang. It was amazing. In other places, you get folks who want to show you the, the natural environment. They want to show you the, the waterfalls. Like you're up in Chiang Mai. Sometimes if someone's free, a local's free, they're going to take all the players who can make it. And they'll take you on a trip around town. Because everyone, we're, we're just so proud of, of our cities that we want to show people the highlights. So uh, definitely a trip for a tournament becomes a lot more than just running and sweating. It's uh, definitely a great travel experience. I like that idea of, yeah, you suddenly have so many friends in a town and then all of a sudden you're going probably for the best food and to see other neat stuff. So it really does lend it to a rich travel experience. Yeah, definitely. Even if you didn't know these folks before, Ultimate brings you together. When you, when you sweat hard, you run hard. Especially if it's a tournament where you're running hard for, for two days and everyone's exhausted, it, it brings you together in a way that it, people are, are friendly and giving and open to wanting to take you out and show you this uh, place that they're very proud of. Yeah. At the same time, you know, I played in the disc golf tournament here last year and I didn't know most of the people that we played with. I knew a couple of people, but that again, with the slower tempo, like everybody throws their disc to drive and then you got to go walk down the field to go find your discs and you talk along the way and you get to know each other. And, and the tempo of disc golf, I think too, is, is nice for getting social and you can mix it up on the front nine or the back nine, or if you're playing multiple 18s, it's a lot of walking. You may not run, but you walk a lot in some of these disc golf tournaments. But yeah. In general, I think you just meet pretty nice people. Yeah. And that's actually a really interesting point because you do have this uh, walking and talking time with the locals. That's your time where, you know, you might also have a beer in your hand where you're chatting as you're walking towards your disc and you're, you're asking about some travel info. You're asking, where should I be eating tonight? Where are the best bars? What events are going on around town? What other places in Cambodia or whatever other country, where should I be going? So 
Yeah, absolutely. That walking and talking time in disc golf is very valuable. You touched on kind of Philippines being up and coming, but if you just had to rattle them off quick, what would be, say, the top five ultimate nations in Asia for, for just accessibility and the number of clubs and happenings? Uh, in Asia, it would be Japan, Philippines, Singapore. China is up and coming right now. They have a lot going on in China. And where am I going to give my number five? Love. Oh, yeah. It's got to be Cambodia. Definitely Cambodia. There you go. Yeah. I love the no scoring because it really is fun. Like, you know, there's so much less pressure, but uh, you you still have a good time. All right, Jared. So, like, uh, is there, like, a Disc Federation website or is there, like, some sort of regional organization that, like, if people were coming to the region and they wanted to try and find some games, like, what's the best way for people to, like, maybe integrate some disc into their travels around the region? I would say uh, try to look up the national organization of the country that you're going to. And if not, there might be city organizations. Uh, every country in this, in this region has a national organization that is linked to the World Flying Disc Federation. So you can start at the World Flying Disc Federation website, wfdf.org, and start there. It's not always up to date, um, but wfdf.org is a good place to start. And Facebook. All of these organizations are on Facebook. So you can look us up. And one and one will have a link to the next. So if you can find one, say, hey, sorry to post this, kind of unrelated. Thailand, can you point me towards Malaysia? And they'll say, ah, okay, try this. Okay. But maybe go first. I have something I, I was thinking about when I was running. And I haven't written down my answers, but I want to throw this out to all of us as a, a fun little ender. So you're done playing ultimate, you're done playing Frisbee golf, but you're traveling and you have a disc in your bag. What are all the fun, useful things you could use your Frisbee for? And I'll start and I'll say you could use it as a chair when sitting on a beach or in the forest. Well, depending on the weather, using it just like you use it as a chair, you can also use it as a sled. A sled. If you're going downhill, yes, you can definitely slide down a snowy hill on a disc. And some wet grass. Or wet grass. Okay, Trevor? I was thinking you could you could use it as a rolling tray. <laughs> I think that's probably the most common. That's a good one. I think you could also use it as a, a plate. If you were cooking you or eating, you could just put stuff on it and use it as a plate. Uh, along those lines, it will fit four pints of beer, surprisingly. Four, four pints? pints of beer. Going to a serving tray? Yes. It will <laughs> actually, yeah, with, it'll be about three pints, and then uh, the surface tension will hold in the fourth pint. No way. So it's a lot of beer in there. Okay. I think it could be a fan as well. When you're in hot places, you just use it as a fan. You know, one thing I've used it for in the past, because I used to travel with a disc sometimes, is you can use it in in your backpack to sort of protect something inside the pack. Mm. You know, it it protects the outside of the backpack from getting jabbed and things behind it. Probably usually cans of beer, bottles of beer, (laughs) have that little extra protection, like a shield. It's a great use. Uh, Kind of along those lines, uh, a disc was used for self-defense today against a charging bull. That's one great thing about our disc golf course here is that we do have some some uh, buffalo and some cows. And this bull was pretty pissed off at Sam and he was going after it. Sam, Sam, you know, told him first. Yeah. He laid out the laid out line. He's like, don't do it. I will throw this disc at your face. And he threw the disc at the, the, the bull's face. Oh, yeah. And it was good enough. It was good all enough right. to stun him while we all ran away and, and hit 
Buffalo hazard. It could be used as a, an umbrella of sorts to protect from the sun or the rain. Yeah, a hat for sure. Anything else we have? I think maybe I definitely used it to like hold like some keys and stuff. Like, you know, when you have like a hammock or you're in like some beach bungalow yeah. and you have like the double hammocks outside and you put like the face up uh, disc and you can put all sorts of stuff, keys and stuff like that to help you carry. It's sort of the serving tray. The headphones, still. the cards. Yeah, good one. Yeah, like that. Headphones, a room key, things like that. Yeah. yeah, Keep the sand out of it. So it's much more useful than just for the game. So you should carry one anyway. And then if you happen to stumble upon a, a disc golf game or an ultimate game, you're set. Absolutely. Yep. And that's the thing. You can use an ultimate disc for uh, disc golf if you have to. Uh, most courses around here will have some discs for rent. That's important to note. You do not usually have to bring your own discs. Huh. Actually, for either sport, you can just show up and say, I heard from this amazing travel podcast that I should be playing ultimate frisbee disc golf. Um, I want to do that now. Can I play with you? And you don't have to bring any equipment. Uh, I would say if you do go out to play ultimate, uh, bring some, uh, some, some comfortable shoes you can run in. Uh, and one thing that you don't think about, but please bring a light and a dark shirt. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's when you play ultimate, uh, they try to, they have to divide up teams and usually everyone brings a light and a dark shirt, like something near white, something near black so that they can divide up the, uh, the teams. And when they say, Hey, can you go black? And you say, okay, yeah. you put on your black shirt and you go with the black team. So great tip, uh, good shoes, good shoes, light shirt and a dark shirt. Okay. Last one to walk us out of this. Tell us about, uh, CM Reup food tours, your day job and how people can learn more about Jarrett. All right. Uh, CM Reap food tours, uh, CM Reap's uh, Cambodia's premier food tour. You can find us at CM Reap food tours.com. CM Reap food tours.com. Mm-hmm. And you can book us. We have half-day tours, morning and evening. Both are very different. You can actually do both of them, though I do not recommend doing them both on the same day. There is okay. a lot of food. Morning tours will take you to markets, to, to a village. You get to watch some noodles being made. You get to drink some local rice wine. You get to hang out with an amazing guide who speaks a lot of the language and will tell you all kinds of stuff about history. And yeah, and that's really cool. Great. The evening tour is a little bit more of hanging out at restaurants, having some beers, and chatting and enjoying the night. You go to a night market, and it's really, really fun. Both tours are fantastic. So yeah, you can check that out at cmreapfoodtours.com. Okay. And me, my name is Jared Connors. You'll find it somewhere, J-A-R-E-D-C-A-H-N-E-R-S. Find me on Facebook. And uh, OnlyFans. Instagram? <laughs> no Instagram. And no, no OnlyFans. Sorry. Ah. Jared's Cambodia at Jared's Cambodia, J A R E D S. And I'll uh, have the link to the OnlyFans on the show notes. So, and links to Cambodia Disc Golf, the big fat Phnom Penh hat tournament, uh, CM Rio Food Tours, and uh, whatever other links Jared will share with us uh, after we wrap the show up. I just wanted to mention that that the, the guy who made ultimate pretty much in the Philippines is a guy named Derek Ramsey. And a lot of people point at him. He's an actor who's on billboards and in commercials. He's just known, like you say that name in the Philippines and uh, Filipino women just are in total drool mode. Cool. Well, Jared, thanks for making time for us. You've got me closer to finally trying ultimate after threatening for about 25 years, but it sounds like a very good social way to experience parts of Asia and the world. So thanks for sharing with us, Jared. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. This was fun. All right. Well, you know, 
I have played Ultimate with Jared. I have played disc golf with Jared. I have not done a food tour with him yet. So maybe uh, maybe that's the next thing on my agenda. And then maybe we'll have him back on the show to talk about food tours sometime. Uh, what were your takeaways from the show, Scott? A couple things. The big one was the friendliest of the community, right? I liked that I didn't know you kind of get paired with people. And it sounded like if you show up somewhere and you're awesome or you're new, that you'll be accepted and you get kind of paired with someone. I also was really knocked out that you can borrow discs. So even if you're not traveling one with one, you can probably do it. I was a bit surprised by how many countries you can play ultimate and Frisbee golf in. And also just the fact that if there's not a course, you could just get out there and decide, yeah, we're going to hit that pole over there or that tree or, or whatever it is. So that the kind of whole social angle of it was much more than I was anticipating. Yeah, you know, again, like, I, I like it for that community. And also, like, I don't like to just run. Like, I like to have okay. some fun when I run. Mm -hmm. And uh, and when you play disc, you definitely run. Uh, and, and sometimes too much that it is not fun for me. <laughs> well, like, they play twice a week here in Cambodia. And I seem to, like, always have to go to the one where there's, like, no subs or there's one sub for each team. But but it's good, you know. And it's, uh, it's, it's fun and it's a good hard workout. You know, if you don't like to run, you can always play disc golf because uh, that's just as, that's just as fun. Honestly, you know, that tournament I played in here was the first like kind of proper one. And the courses, well, the course here is the only one I know, um, but it has like water hazards and like fairways and like oh, uh, really? it's pretty cool. Like it's it's they're like little miniature golf courses, but for frisbees and and i even have my own putter now i got i got my own putter which is a smaller disc which weighs like a little bit heavier so when you're shooting like that short distance like uh, it's uh -huh. easier to get it in the basket you know so uh yeah it's definitely worth uh people trying out if they haven't before uh, especially if they visit the region because it would be a cool way to meet locals like jared said and i i like too that for a sport you really don't need anything beyond the regular kind of kit and stuff that you would be traveling with anyways, right? So if you had a pair of trail runners, you probably, you know, make do with just a pair of regular sneakers. And anyone coming here is going to have a, a couple, you know, sport type wick away material shirts and a pair of shorts. And you'd even wear board shorts, but you just really need the stuff that you have with you, sensible traveling clothes anyway, which will equip you to do it. So it's not like you got to carry a surfboard or a bike or a whole bunch of stuff around. So it actually sounds like something that's very, very conducive to to traveling easily but also yeah that social aspect uh, it, it's obvious once jared said it but the fact that when you're in a town like of course you're going to meet people who not only will probably tell you oh go see this go see that or go eat there they'll probably offer to take you there right or 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 tee up with a friend or something so it kind of almost sounds like a an ultimate lubricant for for your trip indeed <laughs> lubricant and maybe wasn't the best choice but I, you know what i mean social lubricant all right. Yeah, the beer doesn't hurt either. And I like the fact that, you know, after the game is over, people get together and have beer together. Yeah. You know what? This could be the impetus to finally play disc golf. I'd like to play and ultimate both of them. But just before we go, remember, if you've enjoyed this, if you're still listening here at the end, help Trevor and I keep this going. We cover all the costs ourselves, become a patron, get those special bonus episodes and videos in between each episode. So hope you enjoyed this. Hope you thought about making this activity part of your trip and or trying to see Emory at Food Tour at the end. Trevor, wrap this up, would you? 
Yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, thanks, Jared, for coming on the show. And thanks, Scott, for making time to keep our hobby going because, uh, you know, it's always fun. So uh, maybe after this, we're going to do a little uh, patron-only episode. So please uh, yep. donate to the show and you'll get some of this exclusive content. Otherwise, we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, until then, thanks. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall in Angkor Thom and Cambodia?